welcome to Visual Novel Radio. My name is Eif and here at VNR I read and review visual novels independent of age and fame. There are many stories out there waiting to be experienced, but finding them takes a significant time investment. I've read many visual novels over the years and have seen a lot of trash, but I've also stumbled upon hidden gems which have left me with unforgettable memories that will be with me for the rest of my life. On this podcast I want to share some of those experiences with you and hope that you find these stories just as enjoyable as I did. In this episode I will talk about Planetarian, Dream of a Little Star. Planetarian is a short kinetic novel developed by Key and published by Visual Arts in 2004. The story takes place in a war-torn, post-apocalyptic city that has not been inhabited for over 30 years. Automated killing machines patrol the streets and eliminate humans on sight. But certain people, called junkers, still enter the city in search of valuables to make a living. While the infrastructure has collapsed long ago, signs of the city's bright past still remain in places. This review contains spoilers for the whole story, as I will mention all major plot points. That should not discourage you from reading Planetarian, because the story is not defined by shocking twists and revelations, but by the emotional impact it leaves behind after you experience it. That said, if you want to experience this story on your own first, I would suggest you do that before you listen to this episode. I don't exactly remember when or how I stumbled upon this visual novel, but I believe I saw a recommendation for the anime at some point somewhere. Checking out the My Animalist page, I noticed the source said visual novel, and I knew at that point that I did not need to look any further. I immediately checked on Steam if there is an English version available before coming to my senses and looking up VNDB for other releases, preferably on other platforms. Unfortunately, I did not find another legally available version. The Steam edition had updated visuals, but I wanted the true 2004 experience and was able to acquire the original game from an abandonware website. The music and voice acting are the highlights of Planetarian right after the story. There are only 12 musical tracks, but each of them conveys so much feeling that it does not appear little at all. At the beginning the music is just filling the silence, but after the ending it preserves all emotions and feelings the reader experienced. The art is good, but it suffers from the low resolution due to the game's age. Hoshino Yumemi is the only character with a sprite, as the main protagonist barely appears on screen. The backgrounds are mostly environments from the planetarium and city pictures. They look fine, but due to the game's interface they are cropped to about two-thirds of the screen size, the last third being the permanent text box. It varies in size a bit throughout the game, but there is never a screen where the whole picture is visible. Our protagonist is an unnamed junker that takes shelter in an abandoned shopping mall. 
Expecting the place to be empty, he allows himself to relax a bit before being merrily greeted by a young girl dressed in an unfamiliar uniform. That happy voice is something so foreign to him that he cannot process it at first. The girl welcomes him to the planetarium as the two million and five hundred thousandth guest. Once he comes to his senses, he pulls out his grenade launcher and points it at the source of the sound. As she sees the weapon pointed at her, she quickly apologizes and explains that he isn't in fact the two million and five hundred thousandth guest, but rather a few places below that number thereby entirely misunderstanding the situation. She was just so happy about seeing a customer that she hoped he would accept that little inaccuracy. Being absolutely dumbfounded, the junker starts trying to make sense of the situation. He believes at first that he walked into a trap, but then realizes that that can't be the case as he is still alive. In the meantime, the girl keeps talking. She explains that he is the first customer in about 30 years and presents him a flower bouquet made out of electronic parts and wires. By now he realized that the girl is in fact a robot, but does not appear to be a combat model. Sensing no immediate danger, he puts the weapon down and starts talking to her. After some hesitation, he even accepts the bouquet after confirming it contained no explosives. She introduces herself as Hoshino Yumemi. The name is a Japanese wordplay and literally means Dream of a Star. It is also part of the game's original title, Planetarian Chisana Hoshino Yume, which translates to A Little Star's Dream. Yumemi is a customer support android designated to work at the mall planetarium as a guide. She invites the junker to see the show, but at this point he could barely care less. His main interest is still to find food, ammunition and to get out of the city alive. He tries to get information from her, but realizes that Yumemi does not seem to be aware of the situation at all. She does not know about the war or why all the people are gone. In fact, she believes that everyone just temporarily lost interest in the planetarium. During the explanation, she briefly mentions that her firmware is currently affected by a bug and that she has contacted the support about it, but they have not yet responded. This detail becomes relevant later. Despite the planetarium not having had a single customer for 30 years, Yumemi has not lost hope and firmly believes that the people will be back any day now. For this reason, she follows her duties obediently and even practices greeting customers every day. After spending some time in the planetarium, the junker assesses the location as safe and becomes less wary of his surroundings. Yumemi keeps happily chatting away with him and is never negatively faced by anything he says to her. Over the course of his short stay, he regards her as a minor annoyance at first, but as the story progresses, he begins to feel comfort when he hears her voice. Eventually he accepts the invitation to see the planetarium's show. Yumemi is overjoyed about this and leads him to the viewing room with the projector. He takes his seat and waits for the show to start and once the assigned time arrives, Yumemi starts the introduction to the show. She explains the basics of the planetarium and the expected behavior of the guests 
as well as how the show will proceed. The only guest in the room gets jumpy one more time as she introduces the most important member of the planetarium's crew, Jena. He picks up his grenade launcher and starts looking around for threats, but Yumemi calmly explains that Jena is the name of the machine that projects the stars onto the sky dome. The name is taken from the lens company Carl Zeiss Jena GmbH, which is an existing company based in Germany. When it is time for Jena to activate and bow to the crowd, nothing happens. Yumemi deeply apologizes for the inconvenience and cancels the show, asking the customers to come back once the projector is repaired. While the junker did not expect much, he is still disappointed in the end and asks her about the machine and what is wrong. Yumemi can't provide him with any usable information as her protocol only describes that in such cases she has to call support. Being aware that help will not arrive, he takes it upon himself to fix the projector so that the planetarium's show can continue. He asks Yumemi to provide him with all the tools she can find and starts taking the projector apart. It does not take him long to find the problem. The projector has not been maintained in 30 years and most of its moving parts are stuck due to dust and dirt building up inside over the years. The lenses are smeared and darkened as well. Yumemi is not able to support him in the repairs, so she takes care of the customers and stands by at the entrance to inform them about the delay of the projection, even though no other customers arrive. After two days of repair work, he manages to get Jena up and running. In those days, he also discovers why the planetarium is powered at all. The backup power generator still has some minor power output, which is just enough to barely keep the emergency power batteries charged. Once the charge reaches a certain threshold, the planetarium activates and stays in operation until the charge drops below a minimum level. This happens about once per year and lasts for a week at most every time. This has been going on for the last 30 years. In other words, it is a miracle that he is at this place at this time. Yumemi, being overjoyed by the news that the repair work on Jena is finished, reopens the planetarium and proceeds to do the commemorative special projection. This show would only be played on a certain day as a special occasion, but she makes an exception this time due to the circumstances. What follows is the most overwhelmingly beautiful presentation of the night sky the Junker has ever seen. As the lights in the planetarium are slowly extinguished, the sky dome darkens and Yumemi starts her narration. At first, the sun appears on the horizon simulated on the dome. Represented by only a small circle, the Junker's first thought is that he should have polished the lens better having expected the sun to be much bigger. In the next moment, when the sun sets and the miraculous night sky appears, all those worries of him are swept away in an instant. Never in his whole life has he seen such a beautiful sight. A vast starry sky appears above him with thousands of little dots representing stars and planets. Yumemi starts skillfully explaining all the stars and constellations while maintaining her pace to give the audience time to gaze in wonder at the sight. Once she finishes the introduction to the night sky, 
she continues with a tale from the Greek mythology. The story is about Princess Andromeda, who wants to sacrifice herself in order to calm the gods and bring back peace to her kingdom. Yumemi narrates her story so magnificently that the audience almost feels the princess's anxiety as she is chained to a rock at the seashore and waits to be eaten alive by the monster. A wave of relief washes over the audience as Princess Andromeda is saved by Perseus, the hero of the story. That was, however, only the introduction to the commemorative projection and just as the real show is about to start, the planetarium goes dark. Darkness and silence envelops Yumemi and the Junker. As if forcefully ripped out of a dream, the reality of the situation becomes clear as day to him. To confirm his suspicion, he takes a flashlight and checks the power circuits in the building. As expected, they are dead. The power is out for good. No charge left in the batteries and the generator is not running anymore. The planetarium breathed its last breath and will never again come back to life. After this experience, the Junker's determination becomes unquestionable. He wants to preserve something from this wonderful place at all costs. The stars would otherwise be left to rot in a dead city, a thought he cannot stomach anymore. After explaining the situation to Yumemi as best as he can, he finds out that her batteries will only last for four more days. Without a possibility to recharge, this means that these four days are essentially her remaining lifespan. Determined to save her and escape the city, he gathers his belongings and tells Yumemi to accompany him. She agrees to follow him to his car, which is parked about three kilometers away. Of course, he made that fact up to get her to actually come with him but he figures to deal with that later as there are much bigger problems in the city that the pair will be facing. Yumemi's maximum speed is 8 km per hour, which makes the trip incredibly long. On top of that, she is not aware of the danger surrounding her and strolls through the city as if everything was alright. They manage to get close to the outer wall of the city when they encounter an obstacle in their way. A spider-like four-legged battle tank is deployed right next to the opening in the wall where the Junker intended to leave the city. In a regular situation, he would have just gone around it and found another way, but right at this moment he was pressed for time. He thinks about it and decides to take it out with his grenade launcher. All he needs is one good shot and the path would be clear, but he needs to sneak up to the tank unnoticed. He leads Yumemi to a spot he deems safe enough for the time being and tells her to wait for him there and not move from there, otherwise his life would be in danger. She agrees and he proceeds to move to a better location to fight the tank. He takes his position in a building near the opening in the wall and takes his time aiming for the tank's weak spot, the ammo hatch on the top. When he is ready to fire, he pulls the trigger and hits perfectly but the grenade turns out to be a dud. The tank's large railgun immediately swivels to his position and charges up the shot. The Junker barely manages to escape before a good portion of the building gets blown away by the immense firepower of the cannon. With two grenades remaining, he now has to battle the tank head-on while dodging the railgun 
as well as the machine guns mounted on the enormous war machine. He manages to take out one of the tank's legs, but gets injured in the process. As things look dire for him, he suddenly notices Yumami walking towards the tank with her maximum speed of 8 km per hour. Immediately getting the grenade launcher into position, he fires his last shot in a high arc and hits the tank's ammo bay, destroying it completely. Unfortunately, not before the tank could swivel the heavy machine guns around and fire a salvo at Yumemi, who gets hit and suffers major damage. The Junker ignores the pain in his broken leg as he crawls over to where her body has collapsed. Yumemi is lying on the ground, her lower half completely torn apart with cables and tubes hanging out from her torso. She is still conscious, but many of her circuits are destroyed and she is just barely able to speak. Upon asking why she went against his instructions, she replies that she had to intervene because it is her duty to protect humans from danger. What follows is a monologue so touching and iconic that it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. Yumemi's final request for the Junker is for him to hear her prayer. He agrees to listen and she talks about her experiences with humans and how she loves them despite everything that happened. She mentions the two children that she let inside the planetarium to see the show, even though they had no money to pay the entrance fee with. A video clip plays, showing the planetarium's crew saying their tearful goodbyes to Yumemi right before they have to evacuate the city. She talks about humans and robots dying and going to heaven, asking if robots go to their own heaven or share the same one with humans. She pleads with God to not split heaven in two, but for her to be allowed to go to the same heaven as all of them. During the monologue, she mentions the bug in her firmware again. After the war and devastation, when no people were left in the city, she searched for the reason why nobody was coming to the planetarium anymore. Her logic processor calculated that since there are no humans anywhere to be seen, they must all be dead. Unwilling to accept this result, she believed that her firmware was bugged and sent a request for support 30 years ago. In her final moments, she accepts it as the truth. The Junker, unable to save her, tells her that she is not actually accompanying him to his car but that he was going to bring her to her new workplace. A place just on the other side of the wall, with many people and her old colleagues waiting for her. There, she would continue to perform the planetarium show, greet customers and help missing children find their parents. Just like heaven? She asks. Hearing this fills the girl with joy, but she cannot use her current body for work until it is repaired. She therefore asks the Junker to take her memory chip and deliver it to her new workplace. After she utters her final words, he takes the memory chip from the slot behind her ear and puts it away safely in his metal cigarette box. Getting on his feet again, he leaves the city and vows himself to never forget the planetarium and Hoshino Yumemi for as long as he lives. That brings this short story to a close. 
I have seldom experienced so much emotion in only four hours that this game took to complete. With no choices to make, nothing detracts from the experience and the reader can focus purely on reading. Whether you are a fan of kinetic novels or not, Key definitely made the right choice for this story, especially considering the length. I am happy to have read this VN and find it to be a wonderful allegory that it had the same effect on me as the main protagonist. We both wish to preserve what is valuable in this world, and for me, that is my physical copy of the original Japanese release, currently gracing my display shelf alongside other memorable key games. I was lucky to acquire it in Akihabara in Tokyo during my trip to Japan last year. The game takes place in a fictional city in the future, but the location of the planetarium is based on a real-world building. The Matsubishi department store in Hamamatsu City, Shizuoka Prefecture, Japan. Unfortunately, the building has been demolished as of 2012, following its bankruptcy in 2001. If Hoshino Yumemi's words teach us anything, it would be that love is universal. It transcends physical and temporal borders and is not limited to humans. While her character is a predefined program operating by protocol, she still manages to be a perfect example of a kind human being. Her situation was hopeless from the start, but even so, she never lost hope, despite her logic processor telling her the harsh truth. Even the Junker, who grew up in a world full of death, violence and loss, found new hope in the short time he spent with her and became a living legacy long after the story ended. If you are interested to get the best experience of the story, watch the 2016 movie adaptation named Planetarian Hoshino Hito. It contains most of the original story as well as the conclusion several decades later and is a bliss to watch. Planetarian Dream of a Little Star has left a lasting impression on me and made me appreciate the things and people in my life more. Hoshino Yumemi's story shows that a little friendliness can traverse distances large enough to make even the stars appear to be within arm's reach. The greatest gift we can give is the gift of time. With this I am very happy that you are still listening and hope you enjoyed the podcast. I aim to release a new episode each month and would be happy to have you tune in again. Please subscribe to VNR to be notified when a new episode launches. With that I say goodbye until next time.